Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Welcome to Mission Supercritical, an exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining the show. Today's guest, we've got Joel Pepin, co-founder of SJR Labs, Maine's first CO2 extraction processing company who serves licensed Maine cultivators and patients. Joel also is co-founder of JAR Consulting, a cannabis consulting company which has several contacts operating contracts sorry, in Maine and also in Massachusetts. So welcome to the show, Joel. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Yep, great. Uh, so I want to start with kind of our first interaction. I think uh, the first time we met was actually in uh, 2014 when, uh, when I believe it was uh, Bob or Steve, as it goes sometimes, one of your other partners in the uh, SGA, SGR trio. Who's, uh, who are the, the partners in SGR and how did you guys come about? Yeah, um, it's, it's, his name is uh, Robert Steven, and uh, so sometimes he goes by Bob, sometimes it's Steve, sometimes Steve Bob, um, but uh, SGR's history actually was an idea of Steve's, um, I think dating back to sort of like third quarter, fourth quarter of 2013. Um, I think uh, we had been cultivating for a few years uh, in Maine as caregivers on, on a small scale and um, had always had an interest in, in traveling to some of the trade shows that were just getting popular at the time um, on the national stage. And you can kind of, you kind of see out in Colorado, you know, this, these, these big, shiny CO2 extraction machines. Uh, I think it was OPEN that sort of was dropped in that last part of 2013, or it could have been 2012, uh, not, not completely sure, but we could kind of see this, this whole extraction oil uh, vape cartridge thing starting. And so, you know, um, that the idea was born uh, in in that way. Steve was basically thinking, you know, guy. He came up to me and Ryan, um, who who had a working relationship with him on a consulting level, and and you know, guys, I, I think you know, I don't see anyone doing it here in Maine, and I don't know much about it, but you know, you can get you can get an extraction machine, and there's there's a lot of oil on this plant matter that we throw away after every single harvest, and so that kind of that kind of birthed the idea. It took a few months for us to sort of pony up the funds, and then yeah, it was. I think we had you out. Um, it was 2000, summer of 2014 in August, I believe, when the machine got installed. Yeah, yeah, great time to uh, be in Maine. Actually, I remember it uh, quite fondly. We, uh, Bob or uh, Steve, Bob, whichever one he goes by. You know, we had we had some some great lunch out there and got some uh, some great lobster from uh, some some areas up there in Maine. But yeah, so you guys, uh, do you do you think that you were the first, or do you know if you were the the first extraction company in Maine? Um, that's that's a good question. I think you had you had given us the information that we were the first Apex customer. So I mean, to clarify, I think we 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 knew that we were the first uh, uh, commercial purchaser of an Apex CO2 extraction machine, not just in Maine, but I don't think you had really sold many on the East Coast at that point. Um, I can't speak. There, there are eight licensed, actually five. Uh, one entity has has four of the of the licenses, but there's there's five different licensed dispensaries that at that time may have vertically been getting into some some form of extraction, but I don't have uh, good working knowledge. But at that time, there was no there was no processing side of the industry. Um, you know, so when we, when we started offering the service, there 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 we were really the only ones doing it. 
Right, and that uh, that actually is probably a good lead into what we'll talk about here in a, in a little bit about some of the challenges that you're having right now with the, the regulations regarding processing. But uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in just a few minutes because it's a big challenge for you that uh, that you're going through right now. But prior to getting that, go backwards first for me a little bit here. How did you find yourself in the cannabis industry? Yeah, so um, I graduated college in, in 2009. I grew up in Maine, uh, born and raised here, and went to State University. Graduated 2009. Um, I had, while I was in college, um, you know, owned, owned my own businesses and tried to try to put myself through school. So always kind of had that, that entrepreneurial spirit, um, wasn't super motivated by sort of applying for your standard nine to five. And so, um, while I was trying to figure out what to do, um, as my student loans are kicking in, I had an old college roommate that I could see on Facebook that, that was, he had opened a, a gardening store in Massachusetts that appeared to be selling equipment for specific to marijuana cultivation. So I'd reached out to my buddy and um, I had said to him, you know, what, what's the, what is this? And he's like, Hey, listen, man, this job is, is, uh, is awesome. I'm a manager of a, of a, of a hydro store and you know, with the, with the laws that are changing, like, yeah, this, this is, this is the type of client that we have. So um, come to find out my buddy, Ryan, who was my college roommate, his uncle had, had, had founded this company um, they were a hydro retailer that was based primarily on the east side, um, eastern part of the country, uh, HTG Supply. At the time, had retail stores in, I don't know, six or seven different states on the east coast. And so uh, I was like, dude, I'd love to interview. So rented a car, drove down to Pennsylvania. I interviewed. Uh, I got hired to run the store based upon my, my business background. I knew nothing about cultivation or even anything about the, the marijuana industry. Um, and so uh, well, I was tasked with finding the location for the garden store here in Maine. Uh, we opened uh, January 2011, and simultaneously as that whole thing was happening, um, the, the caregiving business or the caregiving industry in Maine was just really becoming more popular. Uh, so it was all kind of right place at the right time and, and being surrounded by the right people that got me into the business. Um, I got a crash course. I worked there for a year and a half and learned just a ton about cultivation. Maine's a very small state anyway, and the marijuana industry is even smaller. So it didn't take very long for me to network with a lot of people. Um, there's still business relationships that we have today through SJR um, and even through some other consulting contracts that come from my, my background at the hydro store. So just a great place to be and worked there for a year and a half and then was kind of motivated to pursue uh, cultivation on a, on a bigger scale, consulting on a bigger scale. And, um, uh, moved away from from the hydro store, and that's basically how I got into the marijuana industry. Okay, Joe, and, and so you, you mentioned you graduated college in two thousand nine. What was your what was your degree in? Was it uh, was it botany, plant based? You know, how did you find yourself uh, prepared to be able to do cultivation and marijuana? Uh, no, I was a I was a business finance major. I kind of I started with just a general business administration degree, and it wasn't until I started taking courses in finance where I kind of really got interested in that concentration. So. I mean, I've just sort of always been interested in business, and uh, I could I could just see the opportunity working at working at the hydro store as the caregiving industry sort of began here in Maine. I I, I could see the opportunity and and just being one of the first players to uh, get established. Um, I think for the most part it was trial and error. There obviously nothing but my college education helped me, be, you know, to become a good marijuana cultivator. Um, <laughs> that. that <laughs> A <laughs> little tea set there nowadays, huh? Yeah, um, yeah, not when I was there. Um, you know, so there was trial and error, and there are definitely a few hard lessons learned along the way. But it was just, you know, I was just sort of on the front edge of of the whole thing starting in Maine, uh, and just had a chance to sort of work hard and and get out in front of uh, of of the whole industry. 
Right. So self-taught on cultivation techniques, business finance, professional training, uh, education, college, that kind of stuff all comes together. You know, it's, it's uh, the true entrepreneurial spirit. Sounds like everything's all, all coming together. Good. Now, SJR, you guys currently do cultivation. Obviously, you do extraction and processing. Uh, my understanding is there's there's no dispensaries. Uh, why not? Why don't, why don't you guys do that? So here in Maine, it's um, it's it's been a unique situation that has really not evolved a whole lot over the past few years, except for the fact that uh, last November 2016, Maine did barely pass um, a referendum to to legalize uh, marijuana consumption for adult use. Uh, but but taking a step step back to the medical program, um, Maine, it's. In 2009, uh, dispensaries, I think in 2008, 2009, the dispensaries were licensed and opened right around that time. And so they capped the number of dispensaries that could be opened. Uh, and I, at the time, I think there was a provision that they could reassess the need for more dispensaries. And they sort of had, they had, they had them separated in, in different counties and different districts. I think they went with like the different health districts across the state. So, you know, they're, they're kind of spread out evenly. So uh, they, they haven't allowed more applications for, for any other medical dispensaries. So for anyone that has been interested in applying or, or starting one in Maine, there just hasn't been an, uh, an application period uh, for more. They're, they're, all the licenses are taken up. So what happened was uh, th- there was also a, a part in the medical marijuana law, law that allowed for caregivers. A caregiver is someone who can get a, a license from the state um, and can cultivate uh, for up to five patients plus themselves. And so, you know, sort of similar to kind of like a niche, um, like a niche microbrew or something. Maine's got this robust infrastructure. Fast forward a few years of a, a lot of caregivers with small farms sort of all over the state, really sort of specializing in, in different parts of their craft. Um, so, you know, what, what we decided to do, obviously seeing the, the, the maturation of the industry, the real possibility that Maine could go wreck in 2016, um, taking a step back to when we first were thinking about getting into the extraction business. Um, as caregivers, we can only cultivate for five people plus ourselves, and, and we're, and we're casting amount of plant limits. So what we got into was working with some real estate owners to develop, uh, you know, unused warehouse space that would that would rent turnkey cultivation units to multiple caregivers uh, with the idea that, you know, if it does go wreck, then we could have multiple tenants one day um, either go their own way and pursue their own interests or all come together under one umbrella entity under, under recreational license with, with the operational assets online. And so we're still kind of in the process of trying to make that a reality, uh, but that's sort of what you've seen across the state. And, um, and in terms of dispensaries, they're, they're all vertically integrated here, right? So uh, on the processing side, uh, although we have relationships with a few of the dispensaries, uh, there really hasn't been much of a business relationship. Um, the medical law doesn't prohibit dispensaries from, from processing with third parties, but um, it, it also doesn't give us a, a, a ton of protection and, a, and, a, and a framework, the proper framework to engage in that type of business. So to err on the side of caution, dispensaries, for the most part, have done everything in-house. Um, so, right, right. So, yeah. So, so dispensary. Just to kind of to, to summarize it up there, the dispensaries are there are dispensaries in Maine, but you guys, because you don't have a dispensary license, you're essentially providing processing services for the different patients slash caregivers that that are underneath your umbrella. Is that a is that a good summary? Yeah, that that's a great clarification. So, so SGR kind of found the niche. 
I, I've talked about the caregivers, like that, the, the caregiver is SJR's niche client on the processing side of things. So, so when we, when we first got our Apex machine from you, um, you know, uh, we were, I was cultivating at the time as a licensed caregiver, Ryan, you know, Steve, we were all cultivating and we knew we had some plant material that, that, that could, that could be extracted. Um, but we learned very quickly once we got our machine that we only had enough material to run the machine for just a few days out of the month. Um, you know, and then so we were thinking maybe this, maybe we could offer the processing service to other growers out there, seeming, you know, thinking that maybe caregivers wouldn't want to go out and spend the money on, on or, or, or the time on learning how to process this and run this extraction equipment. And so that's kind of what happened. I mean, we, 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 we got our extraction machine and we, we kind of had the idea, um, we had the preconceived idea that the oil that came out of the machine was just going to be per- perfect, purified oil, like all ready to go in a vape pen. <laughs> And, uh, and we, and we were wrong. We had a, we had a big learning curve, you know, post getting our extractor. Uh, it took us, I'd say about, I think it took us like eight months before we were ready to hire our first lab technician. Uh, and then at that time we started learning more about winterization and refinement. And then it didn't take long for us to, you know, another year later to get into the distillation. And then the whole thing organically sort of just, it's been growing. Our services have been growing in, in, in their, in its demand, um, you know, since then. Right. And nowadays the way it works is a, a caregiver, a licensed cultivator can bring their incidental material to SJR labs. Uh, the law very clearly defines what, what a caregiver can have for incidental. Um, someone brings their material to us. We verify that they're, that they're licensed with the state. Um, SJR can process the oil in a, in a few different ways based upon what our client is, is looking for. Um, our customer will get back all the oil that is yielded from their material. We do a lot of, uh, you know, s- small batch processing, quote unquote, um, we've, uh, we've since upgraded our, our apex extractor, uh, from you guys. We, we, we sold the, the gas booster system that we got back in 2014 and now we're running the 2000 PSI system with a larger vessel. So we're running between six and 10 pounds, uh, per person, which on the incidental side is, 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 is allowed under the law. Uh, someone will get back all the oil from their material. It doesn't get combined with anybody else's in the process. When I mean small batch processing, like we're not combining multiple extractions into one giant round bottom for processing. We've got multiple, you know, very evaporators and, and then we, we SGR just charges a service fee. So our clients bring us trim that they may or may not have been doing anything with. A lot of times people have been throwing this stuff away. They, we can process it and, and pull off the oil that obviously has a ton of medicinal value. Uh, and then now our clients can take it home. They can have pre-filled vapor cartridges. They can have oil for edibles. They can have oil for their own lotions. And so our customers are starting their own product lines from, you know, from our service and and um, we've been able to form a lot of long-lasting uh, relationships with with many growers. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. It's, it's a great entrepreneurial story, right? You guys, you guys, you know, found a little niche, find find yourselves with a you know a good business opportunity, and and you guys you created you know quite a business um, from what I can see here that you know in, in my shoes, and it's gone great. But you know, I think uh, I think some of the 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 regulations have put a little bit of a thorn in your side here lately. Um, let's take a quick break, and you know, when we come back, we'll talk about you know what's different today than it was just you know six or eight months ago, and uh, and and how that's impacted your business. We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors. 
Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Today we've got Joel Pepin, one of the co-founders of SJR Labs, which we uh, have the trio of Steve, Steve Bob, Joel, and Ryan. Um, Joel, we, we had a great first, seg- first segment there where we talked about, you know, kind of how you find yourself in the industry and what the caregiver model was of, you know, where you guys don't necessarily have a dispensary, but you found a, a nice niche of providing a processing service for, for caregivers with their, as you call it, incidental material. But now today in Maine, things are a little bit different. Um, Tell me, tell me about the transition. What's what's happened, and uh, why are things uh, so much different today and, and challenging for you today? Yeah, so you know, today um, things are a, a little bit different, um, but in terms of regulation that's on the books, uh, there really isn't a, a, a ton that's different. Um, under the medical marijuana law, uh, we're, we're we're operating under the same rules that we have been, you know, for the past few years. However, there is talk of some new, or there there is going to be some new implementation of, of, of additional rules to the medical marijuana statute uh, that are going to be implemented February 1st. And nothing too major that really affects our business. And these rules have been out since, I think, end of November, December. And as a processor, we, we weren't overly concerned with, with, with what these rules um, entailed. Uh, it's going to allow you know, the department to come through and do regular inspections. Right now, you know, they have to give notice. Um, there's some extra documentation a caregiver needs uh, to to be compliant in terms of trip tickets and documenting you know sales records and, and showing sales tax compliance. Nothing really that affected a processor either way. The the the, the big situation that we found ourselves in was was really um, or the concern that we have as a as a processor all all stemmed from the fact that the department had commented in, in, in a in a news article um, that they had an interpretation on the new rules that essentially. Um, essentially only allows caregivers, their one employee or their patient to touch the medicine. 
meaning a processor, and they, they specifically said processors like, you know, SGI Labs, they're doing third-party processing, are, they, they believe not, are, would be non-compliant. So this obviously sent some shockwaves through the, the medical business and especially all the processors um, because we're not really sure where the department is basing that, that, that logic from when you look at the, the language in the bill. So, you know, now we're kind of in this, 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 this little bit of turmoil where um, the legislative session has obviously been, been off for the holidays, resuming this week, actually today. Um, and we're sort of trying to do everything we can to, to, to protect ourselves. Um, of course, SGR, we've sort of been one of the, one of the processors, probably the processor has been kind of out in the open um, and, 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 in, in the state and we've kind of always held an open door policy uh you know in terms of you know interviews with with elected officials and so you know the the there was an article that came out and it kind of ruffled some feathers um but when you sort of let the dust settle look at it um i i i do believe you know we still believe and we've been legally advised the way we're operating is it, it, it is compliant there isn't anything that says we can't do what we're doing and so there seems to be some disagreement with the department now with that said we we, we obviously want to we want protection for our customers. We want additional re- regulation and protection for our employees and for our business in general. So what we've done the past couple of weeks is um, actually one of the really cool things, one of the really cool parts about being in Maine, such a small state, um, we got on the horn right away and, and reached out to a few elected officials and we got immediate feedback. Past few weeks, we've had a few different tours with, with different elected officials in the legislature that uh, one of them is, is sponsoring a bill specific to processors that's going to be heard next week. And, um, we got a, we got a lot of response. We, we you know we want to show we want to show these people who we are, why we do what we do, how we do it, and 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 why why this is going to be a problem if we have to if we have to close down. So, you know this this is all sort of happening simultaneously as the legislature reconvenes to to reconsider uh, rulemaking around, around the uh, around the recreational measure. Um, but the approach that we're taking right now, and it was actually really cool to see all the processors come together for the first time in the state over the past couple of weeks. Um, we all contributed on, on some, on some knowledge to a bill LD 238, uh, which, which is going to be heard next week. And it's specific to processors. So we've SGR has kind of been calling for this for a long time. I mean, as a processor, the way, way we operate, there's no processing license that we could apply for from, from the department of health and human services. Um, but we would love the opportunity to have that framework, to have that structure. So that's what we're going to try to accomplish through some legislation um, that, that's going to be that's going to be heard really soon. And really, what we want is the ability to, uh, under the medical law, for it to read plain as day that medical processes are allowed, um, and that these are the rules that we all have to play by. And we're outlining some fees and some different, uh, d- you know, data data that we'd want to keep and report. Um, you know, different ways to show our compliance. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, we're, we're, we're confident that um, I don't really understand who would be against regulating processors and, and formalizing some, some structure for the processing industry uh, in terms of like if, if processes were to close, if we, if we were to close, you know, that a, we'd lose four full-time jobs. Uh, our, our business would have obviously a hard time growing and, 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 and scaling for rec- potential recreational laws, but patients would, would suffer uh, in terms of their access. So, you know, from on the medical side of things, I, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be a ton of opposition for this. Well, I guess we'll see. 
Um, and so that's where the approach we're taking. And luckily, we were able to get you know some elected officials in here who understood right. what, what what the concerns were. Right. Well, it sounds like it's a your typical case of of you know sloppy legislation, sloppy regulations that didn't take into account all the the different uh, potential situations you get you get into, like for, like you guys have found processing uh, as a as a service. So uh, you know, it, it just it, standing back and taking a look at it, it begs the question: Is it you know, opposition could be anybody who's against marijuana in general, right? I mean, I, you know, as you said, the adult use um, passed in Maine, but just barely in, in 2016. So, I mean, that means 50% of the state doesn't want adult use. You have to imagine some of those people don't want any marijuana at all. There's probably some some opposition coming from there. But, you know, is, is some of the opposition coming from the, the licensed dispensaries who are vertically integrated? And are those guys having the same challenges with processing that you guys are having? Well, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think at this point in time, to my knowledge, uh, most of the dispensaries in the state are, are, are vertical in much of their operations, including certain forms of extraction at this point. And I don't have great working knowledge on, 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 on how all the different dispensaries are doing it. So, you know, if, pro- if processors go, to way, go away like SGR Labs, I don't think it's going to hurt the dispensaries. I, I think they're, they're taking care of themselves. So, you know, yeah, there, there's a concern, you know, in in the marijuana industry, especially on the processing side of things here in Maine, I mean, not all processes are, are created equal, right? And, you know, at, S, at SJR, our whole business philosophy was to try to run our business in, in a manner that would impress the state at any point in time, especially later in the future, when it came to potentially transitioning into a recreational license. Um, as a processor, there's, there's really nothing in the law that says what rules we have to play by. And so we've sort of always taken it upon ourselves to, you know, documentation, record keeping, um, keeping everyone's material locked, locked separately from everybody else's, um, clearly tagged. Um, we, we've taken all those precautions upon ourselves, even though I don't think a lot of other people out there do, processors. So, right, doing, you know, doing self, self-regulation yeah. is what uh, most people would call that. Yeah, I know we've we've so we've taken that real real seriously, and it we it 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 would be easy to not take it seriously. And I think you've seen some other processors not not put such an emphasis on that. And unfortunately, I think you know people start are starting to learn now that processing has been around for a couple of years that there's some there's some processors that are operating with volatile you know, volatile chemicals and and labs that aren't up to code that weren't you know. That, that don't have occupancy from their local town. And so, you know, I think that's, that's the big headline in the industry, right? There's an explosion because someone was doing a, a, a hydrocarbon extraction. And, and I think that's the concern because there's nothing that addresses that from happening. And, you know, interestingly enough, my personal opinion, if, if, if the departments can take the stance that processors aren't, aren't compliant under the medical law, it's going to force more people underground to do more of those type of things in, in, in a, in a manner where they're not approaching their town officials. They're not building things up to code. So I don't think it really solves the problem that they're looking to solve. Yeah, Joel, you know, that it, it's such a, a typical scenario where you see sloppy regulations or, or regulations that are lacking in, in completeness or don't anticipate and don't allow for changes. And then all of a sudden somebody, you know, in a regulatory position says, hey, I think I've got a different idea on how things are going to be done. And, and, you know, it just it really makes you wonder if there's somebody who's you know either anti-marijuana or somebody who's paid a lobbyist to come in and start to, uh, you know, make some changes that would, and, you know, help their business as opposed to yours. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate ultimately because the patient 
ones are the ones that have to to kind of take the brunt of of any kind of situation like that. So sorry for your uh, for your plight there, but you know you, you mentioned recreational or adult use in, in Maine. Um, are the is the is the opportunity still open for you guys to be able to make that transition into uh, adult use processing? Yeah, I, I do. I think so. <clears throat> um, this this Friday, there's a public hearing on um, a, a new version of, of the of the recreational bill, and it's very similar to sort of what was vetoed, um, and that was killed in the last session. Um, but I think the governor and some of the some of the House Republicans have shown an interest now, uh, after flexing their muscle and showing their ability to to kill what we're trying to do, to say, hey, listen, you know, we 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 want to. Seems like they want to sensibly regulate the industry, um, and and they they want their concerns to be considered in the bill. And I think that's what we're going to see rolled out later on here this week. And and is the processing for adult use going to be a, uh, a typical uh, a typical scenario you're seeing in other states with applications and and kind of the you know limited number of licenses, or is it going to be open for anybody who, who can do it? No, we're trying to, we're trying, we're really pushing. There's only a couple things that players, current operators in the industry, similar to ourselves, are, are shooting for. You know, one would be a, a shall, issue, shall issue license, meaning if we meet these certain criteria, there's no license cap. If, if there's a bunch of, if there's 100 processors out there that can all show that they've been compliant, that they're zoned correctly, that they have municipal approval, that they have engineered, you know, b- building plans for, for their lab, um, that, that they could apply for a license to the state and get it. So, yeah, very similar to other states. Not a vertical market, not a cap on licenses. You know, SGR could specifically just apply for one processor's license under the rec law. Um, if if SGR and some of our other interests were in cultivation or retailing, then we could all we could we could attempt to be vertical if we so ch- chose that path. Um, so you know, we're, we're we're for what's been talked about and what was killed last session on the processing side of things. We were SGR was really hoping that we could get this ball rolling and we could we could transition. Certainly, uh, certainly a ton of industry in the marijuana, or a ton of opportunity in the marijuana industry, and it, uh, it never, never seems to, never seems to end. That's great. Uh, real quick, we got We're going to have to take a break, but uh, real quick, is the, is the, is the industry in in Maine still growing? Is it still seeing a, a large uh, population of, of patients grow, or is everybody kind of just waiting for recreation to come on board? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like right after the vote passed, um, the the original referendum uh, 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 had some some preferences written into to caregivers. Uh, so like right after the right after the referendum passed, there was a spike in caregiver uh, registrations with the state of Maine. Uh, and then uh, funny after that, like a lot of patients, a lot of my patients that I've talked to um, after it went legal were like, "Do I even got to go to the doctor and pay this 150 bucks to get my renewal? Like it's legal now. Why do I need this? You know?" So it's kind of been this weird thing where a bunch of caregivers wanted to get into the medical program in case if there was some type of preference, they wanted to hold a caregiving license. Uh, patients were like, why do I get a, I can possess this anyway. I don't need a doctor's recommendation anymore. And it's like, yeah, well, there's no place to buy it. Right. So, right. you know, patients were kind of not too sure about what to do. So, you know, I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's, I think the patient counts are growing. Uh, the, the caregiving, the, the caregiving count has exploded. I think pretty up leading to the vote and after the vote last year. And I, I'd imagine that's probably plateaued at, at slightly, uh, with the stalemate in the, in the legislature last session, 
Um, so the, the business, is, the industry is growing here, I, I would say, uh, although there's not, a, there's not a ton of data. I think the department leases, uh, releases a report uh, once every year in April that sort of shows caregiver registrations and, and, and patient counts. Um, but for the most part, I would say that the, the, the main industry, it, I mean, it's mature uh, and, and, and the operators are here. And when it comes to transitioning into rec, I think there's a lot of skilled operators, processors, cultivators um, that are really just missing that final retail piece under a rec recreational type structure. Um, but I, I think if we were able to get this thing together, I, I think the infrastructure is there. There, there'd be, there'd be supply in the marketplace. And, and I think it could be a, a relatively smooth, smooth rollout compared to what you've seen in other States. That is, that's great. That's uh, super exciting, man. I, the, the amount of opportunities just never cease to amaze me. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll finish out with uh, some of SGR's preferences on uh, not only extraction, but also secondary processing methods and, and ultimately formulations. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Uh, again, we've got Joel Pepin, co-founder of SJR Labs. Joel, we talked a little bit about how you got into the industry and your background, which uh, is, is not technical or marijuana-based, but uh, rather business. Creates a good entrepreneurial situation. Talked about some of the challenges you guys are having about, and uh, in, in Maine specifically with the uh, the regulations in this niche you found yourself, which is processing for the caregivers. And, and uh, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck in a couple meetings. It sounds like coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But let's, let's put all that stuff aside for just a second and talk about SJR's uh, formulation and extraction processes. You know, a lot of people are doing secondary processing. You mentioned earlier in the show, you're doing distillation. Tell me a little bit about how you guys like to formulate your products. Um, And, you know, in particular, kind of do you guys find yourselves more going towards the um, whole plants, uh, natural product type of route, or you find yourself doing more single compounding distillation to the point where you've got THC and then recombining the stuff back together? What, what's your guys' approach? 
Well, it's really interesting. <clears throat> As a processor, we're not running, like SJR Labs doesn't own any plant material. So if SJR is interested in, and I don't know, getting into you know whole plant extractions and, and, and that type of processing, the only chance we really get into the only the only chance we, we get to get into that is, is when a customer asks us for that. So, you know, like sort of the trends in the industry that, that we see from, from a very high level um, will find its way into our business when our customers start asking for it. So, you know, for us, we started and, you know, three years ago, four years ago, amber oil, you know, some nice clean amber light colored oil was, was in high demand from all the patients, you know, especially for vape cartridges. Um, and then, it, it kind of morphed into distillation and the clear oil was really popular. A lot of our caregiving customers would come in and say, you know, it, can, can you process all my oil into distillate? Right. And then, you know, there'd be a, a, a variety of ways we could prepare the end distillate form, but that was sort of something that took over. Now, you know, the full spectrum oil, like coming back to edibles has been something that we've been demanded for. Um, uh, some customers are are in the niche of the fresh frozen, right? Like get, getting the material fresh off the plant, freezing it, uh, keeping it real cold temperatures just to preserve that turf profile. Um, some customers are getting into, you know, separating out strains even, uh, and then having us extract the oil uh, that way, all completely strain specific. So we, we've kind of done a lot of that. Um, one thing that's also been kind of cool for us too is uh, in Maine, uh, a CBD hemp farming ha- has just started and, and been, been licensed. So this this past uh, outdoor growing season was the first where I think a small handful of licensees uh, farmers had their first hemp crop, right? So as a processor, several of them have, have approached us for different processing needs. So, you know, we've, we've gotten to see how a different type of oil um, with a lot of benefits would go through our process. And, and as, a, as it turns out, our extraction equipment, our secondary processes, I mean, it, it, all, it all behaves very, very similar to, to the processing we do for medical marijuana farmers. And, so, and are you able right now, are you able to process the the hemp with the you know same equipment same processes as as medical marijuana, not from a technical standpoint but from a legal standpoint? Um, again, like the, even with the hemp law, it doesn't. It, there's there's very there's very little language on um, what the rules and restrictions and what the allowances are for processing, right? So a hemp farmer is allowed to possess their hemp. It's got to they've got to test at multiple points uh, during cultivation, right up until harvest, and then and then after harvest, they have to remain below a certain percentage um, of of THC on that end product, or else the state's going to ask them to destroy it. So what we've seen is the the only the only legal the only major legal issue on the hemp side is when someone brings in some 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 hemp material that's got you know 9% CBD and 0.2% THC uh and then you concentrate that right uh into whether it's you know a crude oil amber oil or distillate then you're going to see elevated THC levels in that oil and so what SGR has done uh over the past couple months we had we had um, a, cons- a scientist consultant come in here and 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 help show us how to pull back that THC out of the oil so the oil is actually compliant under the hemp law going out the door at under 0.3 percent THC so right. I'd say I'd say that's the the, the biggest innovation that SGR has had in the past month or so is just figuring out how to like if you do business with a hemp farmer they you know they they, they bring their material in but if you do a, a lab test on the oil coming out everything's concentrated and those levels those levels can can be an issue on from a legal standpoint so we were really we kind of saw the opportunity and Hey man, if we can clean this up, you know, as a processor, we might be able to get some more some more hemp business. So, um, so that's one thing that we've we've done, and I'd say that's been probably one of the most exciting innovations the past the past month or two that that we've had here. 
Yeah, that's great. What what about terpenes? So you guys seeing a, a big demand for for higher terpene contents, contents or even just terpene extractions? Yeah, you know there there are definitely a few caregivers that are that are super interested in terps uh, and, and and preserving the terp profile. Um, and as like a as a patient, as an end consumer, you know, uh, there's been a couple of runs that have gone through that have been strain specific, and you can really you can experience the, the different benefits of of of, of a of an amber oil from a specific strain with a specific terpene profile, right? Um, but the biggest challenge on a commercial level as a processor is looking at the caregiving laws in Maine, right? Like when someone brings, you know, 10 pounds of incidental material to SJR, uh, that, that's, that's quite a bit of trim for someone who's cultivating for just five people. So typically it's always some type of, you know, salad mix, smorgasbord of strains, all, all comprising that 10 pounds. Um, and so, you know, what we've noticed is it hasn't like for a specific, you know, six pound, 10, 10 pound batch, we can, we can, we can harvest some terps and we can separate those aside, but it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do on our scale of business, um, for every run that we do day in and day out. Uh, when you're talking about pulling the terps, adding them back to the oil, um, we not, not all, but most of the trim that we receive doesn't quite have the terpene profile that would justify that extra process. Mm. Hey, are you guys? Are you guys allowed? Does anybody ever bring you flour, or is it always just the incidental material? I mean, you'll have you'll have some you'll have some cultivators out there that maybe had a you know an issue in the garden, whether it be you know um, some some light turning on in the dark cycle, some hermaphroditic plants. Uh, you know, you, you've you've seen you've seen the kind of outdoor farming in Maine has sort of always been a part of the culture up here, and you're seeing outdoor product become more inferior in, in the marketplace amongst patients because there's just so much better quality indoor stuff or, or hybrid greenhouse going, going around. So yeah, you know, people will, will you know, ask if they can bring in some, some unprepared outdoor, you know, whatever. And, and, and we've seen all that. Um, but I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen some, some, some flower that's come through from so, so outdoor that doesn't nearly perform um, as well as really nice a grade trim from some, from a really controlled indoor environment. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we've seen it all. Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that's interesting. So when, you know, back to kind of the, the, the first question there, what are you seeing as, as far as the trend goes as, as, you know, more preference on, on whole plant extract and, you know, as you call it the amber oil, which is, is basically going to be an extracted oil that's been winterized, um, maybe terpenes added back in kind of thing to, to get something that's as close to the whole plant as possible versus the, the single compounding. What, what's main, what are your patients or, or caregivers in Maine asking for um, as far as that, or is it a 50, 50 split? I mean, I'd say I'd say two thirds to seventy five percent of the runs that we're doing, our customers are asking us to distill. Um, and then of those of, of all those runs destined for distillation, uh, some of them for a few niche clients will 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 pursue the terpenes from from their product to 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 return back to the customer. And then a lot of our customers are are asking instead of getting their oil, their distillate amber whatever it is, uh, instead of asking it in pre-filled vapor cartridges, you're seeing more of our customers saying, Hey, listen, I'd love to get it back in just like a jar. And then they're, they're taking it home and they're, they're sourcing unique cartridge hardware that they think is going to give them a, a, a sort a certain competitive advantage when it comes to, you know, retailing the, the final product to the patients. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the majority of what we're doing is distillation right now. Um, we do have a few customers that are building, you know, edible lines, 
right? So like one of the one of the things that we had figured out early on was um, just a, a, a real simple process and preparing the oil post extraction to to be infused into edibles uh, or different topicals. And so that's 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 still a part of our business now. There was a there was a point in time where like you saw a lot of processors, a lot of a lot of um, caregivers who were chefs in Maine. Uh, getting into cooking with some distillate. And then I'd say over the past four months, five months, there's been this kind of resurgence back to like the full spectrum, like kind of like that raw crude extract that that's not even winterized, that even has some of the lipids, some of the waxes, the chlorophyll, some of the other components of the plant, you know, in, in the oil that, that would be that would be destined for infusion into some type of some type of end, end concentrated product. Right, they they probably want to they probably want to smell or have the have the flavor associated with the original plant extract, um, as opposed to having something that's more benign. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, again, tons of opportunity. It's uh, it's it's crazy how the 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 regulations shape the business models in the different states and you know the things that you see, the the things that people do. So um, you know, it's great, Joel. I appreciate having you on today. Um, real quick, you know, it looks like we're running out of time, but um, you know, if somebody wanted to, uh, you know, caregiver in Maine or or hopefully you know when when recreational comes, if somebody wanted to find SDR products, how would they go about finding them now? And and how do you think you might go about um getting your products out there when adult use happens. Yeah. Um, you can, you can search for SDR labs on Instagram. Uh, we're on Instagram and that, that seems to be uh, a platform that a lot of the industry is using to, to sort of market themselves and to, to, to engage with end users and also different, different operators in the space. So check us out on Instagram, uh, SGR labs. Um, you can also, uh, you can inquire or send an inquiry through our website, sjrlabs.com. You can reach out to us, um, so yeah, anyone interested in any processing services in, in Maine? If you're a licensed caregiver, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to talk to you. Um, and as far as you know, expanding into rec, as soon as we get a rec license, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be posting it on, on, on all the social media platforms. Thanks again, Joel, for being on the show and being a guest of Mission Supercritical. Look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn about more of Apex Supercritical's 500 plus customers operating the cannabis industry today. Hope you can join us. Until then, happy extracting. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.